Hey everybody and welcome to DCI number 38. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. In this episode, I got to talk to Adam Vanderbush, who's the VP of Marketing at EquityNet, which is a crowdfunding platform. And it's actually very dissimilar from Kickstarter, so if you're familiar with Kickstarter's brand of uh, crowdfunding, then this is not at all that. Um, but it's actually really, really exciting because it, it allows for much bigger uh, funding, much bigger goals. Uh, we had a great conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. If you want to find out more about Dark Station, you can do that at darkstation.com. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do that at darkstation underscore com. If you want to subscribe to us, we are on iTunes. We're the Darkcast. While you're there, give us a review and let us know what you think of the show. And finally, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at podcast at darkstation.com. If you want to find out more information about EquityNet, then you can find links to that in the show notes to this episode. As always, thanks for listening. Now on with the show. Welcome to the Darkcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Good deal. How's the uh, the weather where you are? Uh, it's a little cold today. We're in uh, we're in Central Time, so it's getting okay. uh, it's seven <laughs> over here. So what what is a little cold to you? Uh, I think it's about forty right okay. now. Cold enough to sure. wear a jacket. Sure. Sure. My, my, my ideal temperature is like 55 during the day. So it's like just warm enough that if you're in the sun and there's not a breeze, like it feels good. Right. But yeah, if you go that. in the shade, then it's like time for a jacket. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, and then nighttime, I, I like cold weather because yeah, I, for sure. You know, I, for everyone that likes hot weather, it's like, you can only take off so many clothes <laughs> one until it's indecent. And two, eventually, you know, once you're naked, there's just, <laughs> Yeah, There's nothing more you can do. <laughs> you can always put on more clothes, though. So That is the lesson of today's podcast. Not really. Uh, we are actually here to talk about uh, EquityNet, which is a crowdfunding uh, website used for tons of different companies uh, to fund their uh, projects and whatnot. But it's not crowdfunding the way a lot of people probably think of it if their first thought is Kickstarter. Um, so you could start off by talking about who you are and what you do at uh, EquityNet. Sure. Uh, so I'm Adam Vanderbush. I'm the VP of Marketing for EquityNet. And uh, I do internet marketing, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. My background is I've been doing it for the last uh, four to five years now and had some decent success. And I started working with EquityNet about a year ago, and uh, it's – it's the year for equity crowdfunding. This uh, this past year and the uh, year coming up, it's it's really becoming a thing. So you're probably going to hear a lot of a lot more about it. Um, so anyway, EquityNet is an equity crowdfunding platform, and it's a lot different than what most people consider uh, things like Kickstarter, Indiegogo. Uh, those are rewards-based platforms, and so when you give them money, you're getting some sort of incentive, like a either a, a new game or 
uh, a free trial for something or, you know, some, some sort of tangible thing that you get. Mm -hmm. uh, what we do is it's for investments in the company. So if, uh, if I wanted to put money into a private company, then I would own a small piece of the pie. And so that's, that's what we do. And uh, EquityNet has been around since 2005. And it's a, it's a patented platform. Uh, we have about 20,000 uh, individual uh, investors and uh, about 15,000 entrepreneurs in the system. We've helped raise them $222 million so far. Wow. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a pretty big thing, and it's, it's starting to blow up based on new regulations that uh, the SEC are going over right now. Okay. Can you explain some of that in kind of layman's terms? Sure. Uh, some of the uh, what's changing? Yeah, definitely. So uh, as far as equity investments go, uh, unaccredited investors uh, like myself, someone without a high net worth or someone less with less than a million dollars is cannot at the current moment invest in a private company. So, you, you know, so you're you know, if you're going to invest in Coca-Cola or in uh, Zynga or some some big public company, you can do that. But right now, you can't. You can't, and that's something that's been uh, a fact since 1933. Hmm. However, uh, President Obama, uh, with the the Jobs Act, has uh, this new thing going on where you can soon be able to put a portion of your portfolio into private companies and so uh, as as an unaccredited investor what that's really really good news for most entrepreneurs because it opens up the amount of people that can give you money by an absurd by an absurd amount it's a uh, I think you know there's probably two million accredited investors in the United States right now uh, with the Jobs Act with Title III crowdfunding or unaccredited uh, investor crowdfunding, that's probably going to be closer to around 50 million. Wow. So it's a it's a big big market coming. That's that's good news for the uh, the people that need investing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, it's 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 really awesome news. That is. That's very cool. Um, so you said that you guys have been around since 2005. Um, where are you actually located? You said Central Time, but yes, we're in. A, we're located in Northwest Arkansas. Okay. Our founder is from Austin, and he moved up here, and uh, it started out. Uh, it actually started out as business planning software, and uh, his, uh, our founder and CEO Judd Hollis, he uh, wrote several patents that were basically described crowdfunding before crowdfunding was even a term. And uh, we're, we've, we've been granted three of those, and they have to do with uh, private equity investments for, uh, in, a, in a crowdfunding uh, angle. So anyway, it's, it's always been the plan, and in the last uh, few years, we've really been going, uh, moving more and more towards that. Okay. Very cool. Now, um, can you talk a little bit about how traditional funding for uh, projects or companies might work? Because I know, especially with video games, 
Um, I think there are a lot of misconceptions on how you go about getting the funding for a project and who, you know, when you're, when you end up buying a game, once it's released, who that money's going to and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, crowdfunding, uh, especially with Kickstarter, you know, you can see a, a studio get a couple of million dollars and it, you know, gamers will cry out that it's like, oh, they're just money grubbing now where, you know, it's like, that's not a lot of money to do a major project like this. Right. Um, so could you maybe talk a little bit about how traditional funding goes? Definitely. Okay. Um, so that so, people, you know, get the contrast, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, and one of the things I'd like to talk about, too, in in this conversation is uh, the roles of choosing the right kind of platform for your fundraising as well, like uh, rewards versus equity, okay. uh, because it's a it's a pretty crucial uh, conversation to have whenever you're actually looking to raise money. But uh, anyway, typically how it goes is um, up until up until September 23rd uh, of last year, you had to uh, you would talk mainly to angel investors uh, and to raise money. So whenever you're looking to raise money, you you have to put your you have to think about how uh, these angel investors or these high net worth individuals. Uh, think about uh, and what their goals and strategies are for giving you money. Normally, whenever you take on venture capital or angel capital, it's it's for big, bigger projects. Uh, there's usually some sort of exit involved. So if I was to raise a whole lot of money, those investors would expect me to grow that business 10x and then have some sort of exit where either uh, we get bought out by a bigger gaming company or some sort of merger or we have a uh, we go public with an IPO and uh, you know which is what Zynga did and you know so it's a it's a different strategy than something that is just a pro like a, a one-off kind of project and they and they both have their they they both have cons uh, uh, you want what's nice about having a, an angel investor partner is uh, they have they have a lot of skin in the game. They can help you make connections. Uh, they can help you raise more money in the future. You know, assuming that they're active, uh, it's a it's a really complicated thing when it comes down to it because having an uh, Taking equity from a large investor is usually something that is, uh, it's almost a marriage, you know, because you're going to be with them for a while. Okay. You know, it's, it's usually a, a longer thing of, you know, three to five to nine years. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's for the long term, generally. So anyway, um, it, really, it really comes down to what kind of stage you're in as a company and what your goals are is it is it just a one-off project is it an app is it a uh, big video game like is it a big studio where you're going to release a bunch and you're growing to the next level where you want to uh, take you know you, you want to build two new games in totally different fields 
uh, all of those different things are things you need to consider whenever you're looking to take on money. Hmm. So, um, yeah. So seeking out angel investors and having them for long term that that's traditional. Investing? Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, that's the most traditional, I think. Um, you know, you can also go with like a debt based thing with, with like a bank okay. or, um, uh, you know, even like family and friends rounds where where they give you money, you know, that's actually a pretty common thing. But there's a you know, that's that's actually usually an equity investment as well. OK. So how does equity net differ from from traditional um, investment? So it's actually it's uh, we we offer things that most actually almost all uh crowdfunding websites offer right now we have we have a very large population of angel investors and that's something that is pretty hard to, to achieve and then uh, you know we have uh, really cool business planning software whenever you're taking money on from an investor you're gonna have to have all your ducks in a row you want to have a really solid looking business plan uh, a really good budget, a really good team, and uh, having having those things that are really uh, trustworthy and have shown that you're really good at uh, your market research, so that that you're investing in your company is a good deal, are, are all things that you're really going to need for actual success. It's extremely difficult to raise equity investments uh, right now. I think the the average for uh, an entrepreneur in in America to raise uh, equity money outside of their family and friends is about three percent. So it's it's extremely mm. difficult to do. And so the more sophisticated, the better you're offering, the better the deal is 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 really important. And what sets us apart is uh, we have really cool business plan software. And what it does is it's, it, we, it have, we have multiple patents on it. And what it does is essentially it helps you iterate and make it much more attractive to investors, your business plan, and in a way that helps you understand a bunch of issues that they might find in your business plan but you might not have seen. But these guys are you know normally super educated uh, and they know – they know weird downfalls that you might not have understood about your business plan. And so what we do is we help highlight those and make uh, allow you to correct for those things so you have a much better offering. And then once you get to that point, once you have a good uh, equity net profile, really similar to uh, kind of like a you know a Facebook page but for your business, which is just like an overview, and then we have the business plan software then we have this large population of investors where you can share your business plan and communicate with them. And uh, you know, once you guys have a sort of match, then you can take it offline and and uh, you know send money that way. Okay. So 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 that's the that's the gist of it. Uh, we we offer a couple of different services as well. Um, one is. Uh, we we have premium we, what we call premium assistance and it's one on one time with one of our analysts that helps you go over your business plan because mm -hmm. it's such a critical thing and most people 
really struggled with that, especially the financial section. And then the other option we have is, is a broker-dealer option. And what they do is they help do due diligence or they, they see how quality of a deal it is. And once, once uh, you guys have actually passed the tests, then they take it to a even larger population or a, a separate populations than us, but it also includes us. And then they help, uh, will actually go with the deal flow. So they would actually collect the checks. They would go over the all the legal agreements and term sheets in a way that's uh, very efficient and uh, friendly for everyone. And so, you know, that's that's an add-on. We don't do it, but we allow our entrepreneur base to go that path that they want to. Hmm. Okay. So, it's uh, it's it's really cool. We uh, it's EquityNet's getting more. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it will continue to do so, especially with uh, Title III crowdfunding coming up in you know the next six months. Right. So currently, um, myself or you know Joe Schmo off the street could not log on to EquityNet and provide funding for a company that is looking for it if they're not worth more than a million dollars. Correct. Right? Okay. Yep. yep. But that's that's going to change this year. Where yes, if I okay. wanted to, it you know. I, I I don't know if there'll be limits on or minimums for how much you have to um, it's, uh, buy it's, in, but right, right. It's actually most of the time, especially for us unaccredited investors, it's going to be uh, they have uh, several different limitations, but it actually has to do with protecting um, investors from losing money. Okay, equity investments. Investing in a private company, these are all really young companies, and uh, there's a lot of competition, and there's a lot of different, you know, the maybe the founders don't have as much experience because, you know, they're not a 30-year-old company. There's all, all these different risk factors, and so because of that, investing in a private company is extremely risky. You know, most of the time, right. you don't make, you lose, you just lose money, mm -hmm. and then you hope to hit, you know, a good uh, one or two companies that will will do really well. You know, you want to invest in a Facebook whenever they were, you know, ten cents a share. Right. So that's that's the game. Okay. So how I guess how does this differ then from if I if I were to buy you know stock, uh, if it's I were to go on to E Trade, exact same thing. Okay. It's exactly the same thing. Gotcha. Uh, it's usually uh, especially with. The, uh, title three coming up when, mm -hmm. whenever we're talking about just huge populations of, uh, of unaccredited investors. Normally, uh, accredited investors, it really depends on how much money you're looking to raise, but sometimes in, in rounds, there might only be one or two investors. There might be five or six, and you know, where they're either investing, you know, 25K per person, or they might be investing, you know, two million per person, or a thirty million dollar round from one institutional investor. So those are all different things, and um, EquityNet actually has all of those types. Okay. Um, so earlier in our conversation, you were talking about uh, choosing the right platform um, right. for your project for your company. Um, you know, reward versus equity. Uh, you want to get into that a little bit now? Yeah, definitely. Right. So I think I think uh, based on what I've been 
observing in this space, uh, you know, with with games is there. It it's comes down to what stage your business is in and what your actual goals are for that for your business, mm-hmm. uh, and or you know from your gaming studio. If you're looking to do something, you know, if if it's a one-off project or you know just like you're going to do one game, then it's usually not going to require as much capital. Maybe it's a hundred thousand dollars. Maybe it's twenty thousand. You know, maybe it's you know two million. But these are all still a, a substantial amount of money. But it's something that's definitely achievable from a rewards-based system like uh, Kickstarter. And you have a lot of you have a lot of advantages with doing something like that because uh, normally you know you have a lot more population. Uh, hopefully you you know you'd have um, a fan base that could really get you to a good start. You could go, you know, help you go uh, viral in a sense. Uh, that those are really um, important things. What's else? What also is super cool about the idea of a rewards basing is a, is two things really. You don't have to give up shares of your company, so you still maintain ownership of it. And you're also essentially um, validating your idea. If you have a bunch of people saying, "Take my money, please," you know that's that's it turns out you you're working on something really good. Mm-hmm. That it's not always the case with equity investments. Uh, you know, and most of the time you're going to have to uh, have some sort of market validation before an investor even gives you money. And if you don't, then it's a much riskier investment, which means it's going to be a lot harder to raise money from investors. So um, that's what I really like about rewards-based uh, crowdfunding. What's um, whenever you have larger goals, it, it becomes it makes a lot more sense to go through an equity or a debt-based uh, type of crowdfunding when you're raising really big money and. People don't understand that there's actually a lot of gaming companies that have done that, uh, who have raised big institutional dollars. I mean, Zynga actually raised their biggest round whenever they went public, but um, Supercell uh, raised a, a lot of money. Riot Games, you know, who did League of Legends, they've mm-hmm. taken venture capital money. Um, Oculus VR did it. Harmonix. So, like, those. those it's a it's a really big thing, but these are all very established businesses who are really shooting for the moon at this point. Um, so that you have to consider what stage and what what your actual goal is, and make sure it aligns with an investor. Uh, so I think that's I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's really I, I think those those few things are what. I, if I were just to talk to a random entrepreneur, I would ask those kinds of questions and say, okay, you know what, you should go this way, you should go that way. Okay, very cool. Yep. Um, I think I'm at the end of my questions, uh, for the most part. Um, the, there was one thing that uh, did intrigue me. I, I saw an email between, I don't know if it was you um, and, and Joel or, or somebody else, but talking about, uh, five things game developers need to know, uh, for raising, um, 
Capital Online, and I feel like we've talked about a lot of that. We have. Um, but I, I didn't know if you had any other insight that you kind of wanted to, to throw out there. Well, I think there's I think there's several things that are kind of universal um, and are sometimes, you know, totally critical. But uh, especially for having, for doing games, uh, raising money for a game, ideally you would have a really rock-solid team. It, it uh having that trust of saying, okay, I'm going to give you my money and you're actually going to do something with it goes a really long way. Right. Uh, ideally, you know, the people that are working on it have already had some sort of success with like a, a previous game or they worked on a game that was a hit and they say, okay, well, you know, I was the, the designer for this or I wrote, you know, the plot or something like that. You know, that goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people don't understand how, incredibly visual fundraising is uh having videos and graphics uh, even if you haven't built the game if you can have uh you know sketches of what it's going to look like um, a story that's unique and creative uh those are all really important differentiators mm-hmm. and then also you know having the the validation of a large fan base will go a really long way uh you know both for rewards and for equity investments. So all of those things, I think, are probably the most critical. And then, you know, with with equity in particular, then you're also, you know, going to want to have a really good business plan uh, and, um, you know, make sure that you know how to speak with investors in a tactful and, and useful way. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think I think between those two, that pretty much covers the bases. Okay, uh, are there any game companies that have actually uh, sought and found funding through EquityNet? To we have, we actually uh, we have several gaming companies uh, within EquityNet, uh, and a couple of them uh, because we don't we don't really we don't filter uh, our our companies at all and we we let the the really good companies kind of boil up to the top mm-hmm. uh, but we have a couple that actually look really good uh, and uh, I think I think overall as far as uh, gaming related companies within equity net we probably have 15 to 20 and this could be anywhere from apps to gaming studios to um, you know concepts uh, you know, freelance uh, developers that, you know, do contract work for gaming companies. Uh, but I know that uh, we have a company called Nordic Plan, and they're actually from Sweden, but they're inside EquityNet. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've, they're they raising, I think they've already raised a million dollars, and I think they're looking to raise $14 million. And uh, it, they, have a, they have a really cool-looking uh, game. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it. But I remember the the acronym was was death. <laughs> it, it actually looks really awesome. I kind of want to play it now, and I think it's in demons at the horizon. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I, all I've all I've really seen is the art, but they it it actually looks pretty cool. So uh, I know, um, and then there's uh, Hash Bang Games and uh, New Breed Games and Celsius uh, Studios. So. We we have some success. It really it it depends on a lot of different factors, and 
as far as equity investments go, you know, it's just a really hard thing to do. So um, it's usually a longer process. You know, Kickstarter only does it for, you know, 30 days and then right. like a normal thing for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, equity deals usually take two to six months to close. Oh, wow. Because, okay. But, you know, it's usually also a, a you know, a larger amount of money. Mm-hmm. So, that's, you know, that's just a thing to consider. Right. But but like you said, I mean, when you're when you're seeking equity like that, you're not looking just to fund a, a project, but a, a whole company. Right. Um, right. So makes sense, at least in my brain that has nothing to do with any of this stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild, you know, working in this space. I'm not going to lie. I, I can imagine. Usually the uh, video games keep me sane. <laughs> at, the, at the end of the day I, I think they keep a lot of us sane uh, <laughs> so a <that laughs> uh, random tangent I actually just finished reading uh, Tom Bissell's uh, Extra Lives Why Video Games Matter uh-huh. and if you've ever thought that you are wasting your time um, you should read that if you, you know, are wasting time when you play video games it's okay, yeah, a definitely. fantastic look into um, just kind of one guy's journey with video games over the last couple of years. Oh yeah, uh, that's cool. It's, it's it's great. Uh but anyway, moving on from that uh random random tangent. Uh we're going to move into what we call the end game and this is where we ask you some more personal questions that generally have nothing to do with what we've talked about for the last half hour. Okay. Um so the first one is <clears throat> who is your favorite video game protagonist? Okay, well this one might be shameful. Um but I'm probably actually going to go with Jason Brody from Far Cry 3. Okay. Even though it's all still really super first person. Uh, I don't know. That game was extremely immersive for me. It almost ruined my life. I liked it so much, you know. <laughs> like, it was, ter- it was terrible and violent and crazy. But also, that game was just awesome. So, I think uh, at least in the last five years like that game probably was has been my favorite okay very cool now flipping that on its head who is your favorite antagonist oh man that's a really good question um i i don't know i'm trying to think of his name he was really awesome uh he was the vampire this is really obscure there was a vampire in a RPG for PlayStation One. Uh, for it was called Sugaden Two, and I'm trying to think of his name because he was really awesome. Um, it's a Necklord, N E C L O R D. That was a really awesome one. Okay. So he was super cool. Very good. Love it when I have obscure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, video game characters. There's a, there's a lot of them, but for some reason, Absolutely. he just jumped out at me. Hey, that what works works. Um, have you ever backed a crowdfunded project before? I actually haven't. This is really shameful. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten really stoked on them, uh, but I've never, I've never actually pulled the trigger on it. Okay, so I guess modifying that question a little bit then. Is there something that has recently been crowdfunded, whether successfully or not, that you are excited to see come out? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Oculus VR, 
I'm probably gonna get that on day one. Yeah. Uh, well, did um th- this will go out uh, several days after uh, the day that we're recording, but on the day that we recorded is when they announced um, DK two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so me and my coworker had that up on our computers at work and just staring at it. It's like, it's only 350 bucks. It's like, that's really not that bad compared to consoles and like all this other stuff. It's like, oh, yeah. I should go ahead and get it. No, I shouldn't get it. I, no, yeah. Not, yeah. It, it's <laughs> we awesome. went, we went mean, back and forth for like half an hour. It's awesome. Uh, is, this is a kind of a confession, but, uh, I actually don't have a TV. I, I have a projector and I have a big blank wall in my living room. Okay. And I actually play all my video games on that, so it's like a nine foot screen and it's nice. the best. But I don't know. I really want to try the Oculus VR because I think that might actually rule too. I think it'll probably be way cooler. Yeah, I am. I'm super stoked about it. So uh, I'm really yeah. into that immersive angle mm-hmm. with, with games. Well, a lot of first person games like uh, Fallout, like sure. playing yeah. Fallout. With the Oculus VR is probably just going to be the best thing ever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, either they'll make a new Fallout that has support, or somebody somebody will have to have made a mod. Yeah, for oh, definitely. Fallout Three That's in New Vegas by the time it comes out. Or... Yeah. So, so I'm sure that'll happen. I'm sure you'll get you'll get that wish. Um, okay, moving on from that. Uh, since you do play video games regularly, is there a trope or trend that you see um, that's just way too common that you wish would just die out in video games? An, an element or theme that you just wish was gone? Um, you know, this is this is kind of weird, uh, but I actually really, really hate cutscenes, especially ones that I can't escape and. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's becoming a thing, when, and I get it. It's super polarizing. Um, there's a lot of games of, that I play that have cutscenes, and they're done really well. But I don't. Sometimes they take it too cinematic with a story, mm-hmm. and it's not really my angle. And so I kind of prefer ones that are kind of off the table and a little more interactive in that way, sure. like a, you know. Taking, uh, allowing the the dialogue to go through, you know, player choices is something I would prefer way over having to watch a cutscene. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think I think that, and then I think also there's a been a push, especially for these bigger budget things, for more. Uh, just these maps are getting absurdly large, <laughs> but that rules. Actually, I'm actually really into that. So. Uh, I don't know, but that's a that's a trend I think I've I've been noticing over time. Sure. Okay, um, so if you could try any other profession, no holds barred, uh, no consequences, you could just try anything else, whether it's world touring beer drinker or professional skydiver or whatever. What is something that you would like to give a shot? Man, uh, I used to I used I was actually a trumpet major. In college, and I played trumpet probably, you know, during that time about eight hours a day. And uh, I went into what I'm currently doing, and I love it, and it's super fun. And it 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 was kind of random how it happened, but I always liked uh, you know working on the internet, so it was a pretty natural thing. But mm-hmm. if I could do anything, 
you know, if I was really good, I'd probably just, you know, go play music around the world and just never worry about it. Yeah, cool. You know, that would be super cool. So I think I, I wasn't always with that that, tra that travel angle, but I don't know. Now it seems really appealing to me. Sure. All right, and our final question is when you get to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom at the end of your life and Toad is there with the book of the deeds of everything that you've done, what do you want him to say to you? Oh, uh, man. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> or you actually made it, maybe. <laughs> it's like... I wasn't expecting you on this list. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, that would be really funny. You'd be like, "Well, you're supposed to go a long time ago." <laughs> oh. Nice. All right. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for joining us tonight. Uh, had a great talk. If you could send us out by letting our listeners know where they can go to find out more information about EquityNet and uh, and the. I'm sorry. I'm my brain's. Not remembering what was the name of the uh, um, the law that's going to be passed that's going to allow people. Oh yeah, the Jobs Act. Jobs Act. Um, mm -hmm. If you could let people know where they can go to find out more information about EquityNet and the Jobs Act. Well, definitely. Uh, I think EquityNet.com is going to be a pretty good uh, resource for getting a, a a good top level view of what what we offer. It's a very interactive website, and then uh, with the Jobs Act. It's really well documented, but I think I would actually probably start with uh, Wikipedia. Okay. They have a great article on it. Sounds good. All right, well, thank you once again, and yep. have a good night. Awesome.